one of the things that happens is, is everything rises and falls with the church. Um, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, when we look at, at the church and like what we talked about last week, it's so easy to start out right and it's also so easy to drift and it's so easy to move from where we once were. You know, and it's interesting, sometimes we can move from where we once were and not even notice. You know, Jesus, when he was writing to the churches in Revelation, he said that very simple phrase. He said, listen, he said, you're doing everything good. On the surface, everything looks great. On the surface, uh, everything is well, he goes, but there's something else going on. There's a deeper issue, and that's that you've left your first love. And Jesus always looking straight to the heart, not caring what's on the surface, not caring what's out there, but really caring what's inside. Kind of like that last song, right? Coming back to the heart of worship. You know, I think it's easy sometimes we can put on this front like we got it all together. But the truth is, is God sees us and knows us intimately. And a lot of times God, the, the person that we want to be the most real with is the Lord. Because the Lord's there and he knows what we're going through. The Bible says he knows the things we have need of before we even ask. He knows the things we're struggling with. He knows those intimate issues that we're battling. And God wants to meet every need that we have. He wants to meet all of those things. As we get into 1 Corinthians, kind of finishing up this chapter, last week we talked about how the church can often be very, very divided, right? And the church in Corinth at that time, they had some issues. You had this group over here that was saying we're from Paul, and you had this group over here that were saying we're from, from, from Peter, and you had this group over here that was saying, no, 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 we're from Christ. And... Paul just lays it out so simply and he says, listen, he says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. And I love it so much because what we're going to talk about in this final portion of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is something I think many of us uh, feel like we can be fumbling at times, and that's evangelism. How many of you guys here are phenomenal at evangelism? Anybody? If you are, I want to know your I struggle, man. It's hard sometimes to share our faith, right? It's hard because sometimes we can feel like it, we just fumble it or we can feel like we're just out of place or, or, you know, God puts it on your heart to share your story with someone and it's like, it's like you get that like beating in your chest and you're like, God, I just don't think I can do it. But man, there's so much power in evangelism and the cool thing is, is the power in evangelism, it doesn't lie with us. Did you guys know that? It doesn't lie on us at all. The power lies in the message of the cross. Notice what he says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 17. He says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So he said, he said, listen, he said, I didn't come to baptize. He's like, God didn't send me to baptize. He's like, God sent me to preach the gospel. And the thing is, is he's not talking about preaching the gospel from a pulpit. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about preaching the gospel from a pulpit like this. He's talking about preaching the gospel one-on-one. -on -one. He's talking about evangelism. You know, it's interesting. That phrase, preach the gospel, it's used throughout the Bible. And it's used in the story of Philip when Philip went to the Ethiopian uh, eunuch. And the Bible says he went up in the Ethiopian eunuch. He had some questions. So the Bible says that Philip, he started in the scriptures and he preached Jesus to him. It was used of one-on-one. -on -one. It was used of when the church, the early church, went through persecution. And the Bible says that they scattered and they went all different directions. And the Bible says that they went preaching the word. They went out evangelizing. 
See, evangelism, it isn't this crazy weird thing. Evangelism is simple and it's meant to be natural. It's not meant to be a method. You know, one of the things you see in the Bible that's interesting is you see that there's no set pattern for evangelism. Do you ever notice that? Right? We make a lot of patterns. There's books today that you can buy that can give you step by step on how to share your faith. Man, there's teaching classes, there's YouTube videos that are all about how to evangelize and how to share your faith. But when you see and you read the Bible, there's no set pattern. And I find it interesting because you see that there is a pattern for prayer, right? When Jesus talked to the disciples and he said, look, he said, uh, he, he, he had them go with him where he went and the disciples came to him one day and they said, uh, Mr. Jesus, we just noticed something. We noticed that you pray a lot. And they said, Jesus, they said, can you teach us how to pray? And Jesus said, okay, he said, when you pray, pray like this, right? And then he went into the Lord's Prayer. There's a pattern for prayer, but there's no pattern for evangelism. There's scriptures that give guidance, right? And later on in, in uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul says, he says, I didn't come preaching myself. He says, I came preaching Christ. He says, I'm not here to, to preach me. He's like, I'm here to preach Christ. There's scriptures that talk about that but there's no pattern for evangelism and why is that it's because the power of evangelism it doesn't lie in a pattern it lies in the message of the cross see jesus gave us the holy spirit as a helper one of the things that jesus did before he left he said listen he said i'm going to give you the holy spirit and he is going to help you he is going to lead you in all truth see he didn't give us a pattern to lean on he gave us a helper to rely on see when you have the power of the spirit in your life when you have the baptism of the spirit which is that coming upon with power things are different when you look at the early church in the book of acts right dude they were on fire man they spoke and they had power in their words they had power in their lives and what are they doing they were just preaching the gospel they were just sharing the good news wasn't any pattern no 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 no. why they had the power of the spirit working in their lives man they had the helper and for us one of the best things to do is when you're sharing your faith listen don't try and pull up well i heard this guy talk about how he shared his faith in his study one time so i'm gonna steal his method the best thing to do the, the most powerful things you can do when sharing your faith is share what god has done for you and share the message of the cross. That's it. Those are the most powerful things you can do. Why? Because when you share the cross, it brings it back to Jesus. There's nothing we can do for people. Man, you and me, there's nothing we can do to help someone except point them back to the one who helped us. Point them back to the one who changed our lives. Man, there's power in the testimony of you and of me and of what God has done in our lives. Why? Because it makes it real. It'd be different if we had never believed in Christ, right? Let, let, now, how many of you guys here, when you got saved, maybe someone was sharing with you before, right? Someone was sharing with you. You had, whether it was a Christian family member or a Christian friend or someone was just like, hey, you know what? Like sharing with you just little by little, right? And it wasn't so much what they shared, it was their lives. It was them being there, it was them sharing through their testimony and through the power of the word. Listen, that is how we evangelize. 
it's not in a method it's not in a in a in a pattern it's in the power of the holy spirit working through us one of the things you see here notice what he says he says christ didn't send me to baptize he said christ sent me to preach the gospel to evangelize what not with wisdom of words lest the cross of christ should be made of no effect this is one of the times you see him introduce the cross of christ and it's so interesting that here Paul talks about the cross of Christ. He doesn't talk about the life of Christ. He doesn't talk about all of the good things Jesus did when he was here. There's a lot of churches that focus on that. They say, well, when Jesus was here, he was loving. And when Jesus was here, he was kind. And when Jesus was here, he helped the poor. So we have to do all those things. Hey, all those things are great. All those things are great. But no, Paul says, listen, he says that what we all need is we need to come to that place where we know the cross of Christ and what Jesus did for us, that death on the cross where he died for our sins, that forgiveness that we can have where he, the Bible says that the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. A lot of times you can feel like those sins still kind of hang on you a little bit. And I love it because Jesus says he takes our sins and he does what? He throws them in the deepest part of the ocean and I love it so much. The Bible says that he remembers them no more. Man, there's times where in my own personal life, I had battled with things and I had gone through things and I knew the Lord had forgiven me. But in my own heart, I was like battling. I was like, man, Lord, have you really forgiven me? Like, can I really move forward in ministry? Can I really move forward in my life? And God led me to that scripture that, hey, he takes your sins and he buries them in the deepest part of the ocean. He casts them as far as the east is to the west and he remembers them no more. They're gone. He doesn't look at us and still see that. He looks at us and sees what? The righteousness of Christ. Why? Because of the cross of Christ. Man, see the power of the gospel, the power of evangelism, it's not in how we share. It doesn't lie in the messenger. It doesn't lie in your personality. It doesn't lie in all of the, the arguments that you have, the well put together arguments of, well, if they say this, then I'm gonna come back with this. And if they say this, then I'm gonna come back with this. No, that, that, that's all superficial. The power of evangelism lies in the message of the cross and in what Jesus can do for a person. And Paul believed in the power of the cross so much that he didn't want anything to take away from it. Think about it, he's looking there and he's like, he said, he said, I don't even want to use fancy speech. I don't want to use wisdom of words. Why? Because I don't want it to take away from the power of the cross. Kind of like when you go to a movie theater, right? You go to a movie theater and during the previews, right? Everyone, you know, you know, <laughs> eat popcorn, relax, hang out, kind of talk, kind of fellowship. And once the movie starts, what happens? The lights dim and all of a sudden now it's the main presentation. They tell you to turn off your phones. Why? Because they don't want anything to interfere with that. And it's the same thing here. Paul's saying, he's saying, I don't want anything to take away from the power of the cross. I don't want anything to take away from the message of the cross. See, you and me, we can have confidence when we share our faith. Now, we don't have to be timid. We don't have to feel like, well, I don't know enough to share well, I don't have anything to say. Well, you know, I don't know as much Bible as this person does. Or, you know, I, I don't, man, th these people are really smart and these people are really educated. I just don't feel like I can communicate like that. None of that matters. Why? Because the power isn't in the messenger. 
and the power isn't in the message uh, method the power is in the message it's in the message of the cross what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus can do for people that through his death on the cross we can know him and we can have a relationship with him we can have a fresh start we can have forgiveness of sins Man, all of that things that we battle with, the emptiness, the emptiness can be made full. The Bible says he turns mourning into what? Into dancing. He turns sorrow into joy. And that's what God does in our lives, man. God can change any life. He says, Christ didn't send me to baptize. He sent me to what? Preach the gospel not with wisdom of words, not having anything take away from the cross of Christ, but having the cross of Christ be the centerpiece. Listen, there is no greater message than the cross of Christ and the testimony of what He's done for us. There's no greater message than that. If all you have are those two things, that's it. It's as simple as that. And as we see, as he continues to break down here, there's a reason why God did that. See, God, in his wisdom, he made it so that the only way to know him is through the cross. It's not through wisdom. It's not through studying. It's simply through the cross. Notice what he says in verse 18. He says this. He says, for the message of the cross, go ahead and follow along with me, guys. He says in in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18, he says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of god so now he talks about the message of the cross right that you and i can have forgiveness of sins that you and i can be changed that you and i can have a changed life through what jesus did on the cross and he says but to those who are perishing it's what it's foolishness now he's not talking about people on their deathbed A lot of times people on their deathbed, there's some that will go to the grave bitter and angry at God. And then there are those many times you hear stories, right? That uncle that you've been praying for, that person you've been ministering to, they come to a place in their lives where they're getting ready to die. They get diagnosed with terminal cancer. Something happens and what happens? They give their life to the Lord. Why? Because the power of the cross... They have nowhere else to go. They have nothing to lose. So what do they do? They put their faith in Christ. So he says there, he says the message of the cross, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. And he's not talking about necessarily people on their deathbeds. He's talking about people that are living a life without Christ. Because listen, you can have like how the Bible says, you can gain the whole world. You can be living and have everything that you want out of this life. And at the end of the day, when you leave this earth, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you will end up where? In hell. And it's a sad truth that I think we can often forget. There's so much that Christ can do for our lives yet. There's so much that God can bring to our lives. Like what he says in 1 Corinthians, right? He says, man, he says, you were enriched in everything because you gave your life to Christ. But at the end of the day, one of the main reasons Jesus came to die is to save us from what? The penalty of sin. Man, we can have freedom from sin, forgiveness for sin. He died in our place, that substitute death. He died in our place. So that way we 
don't have to die. See, to, to those who are perishing, it's foolishness. How many times have you ever tried to share with someone, right? And they turn and they say, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not really into that whole thing. Like, I don't do the whole churchy thing, <laughs> right? Or you share with people and they're like, nah, I don't really believe. It's kind of like mystical, you know, fairy tale Christianity stuff. I don't really believe in that. It's foolishness. But what happens, listen, when every single person hits rock bottom, where's the first place they turn to? The Lord. Man. The message of the cross, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it's what? It's the power of God. Man, we look at the cross of Christ and we think what? We think because Jesus triumphed over death, one day we're going to triumph over death too. One day we don't have to face eternity in hell. No, one day we're going to be able to be with him in heaven. Man, we look at the cross of Christ and how through that there's victory over sin that we can have in our lives. We can have victory. The cross of Christ, it is the power of God for you and for me. I think one of the saddest things is is we look at our family and we look at our friends and we look at people that we love and we see them living a life without Christ and you just wish for one minute that they can experience the joy and the peace that you have. That they can experience the fullness of life that you and I have. Man, the message of the cross, it's the power of God to us who are being saved. And then in verse 19 it says this, For it is written... I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now he's quoting an Old Testament scripture here talking about how God is literally, God's wisdom is much different than the wisdom of this world. And he's going to talk a little bit about this. I want you to follow along with me. This is very interesting. Verse 20, notice what it says. It says, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Now, he talks about the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God, it's not a mystical thing. The wisdom of God, it's not this mystical, you know, like, ooh, like the wisdom of God. That's not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is very, very practical. Many times, right, as you look back in your life, maybe there's events that stand out. Maybe there's times where God spoke to you and told you to do something and you obeyed. And you look back and you see that everything that happened since, you see that God's wisdom in it, right? Man, God sometimes is behind the scenes. He's orchestrating the pieces. He's doing all of those things. He's uh, uh, arranging our lives in such a way to fulfill his plan. And at times, a lot of times it doesn't make sense. We look at our lives and we're like, man, it doesn't make sense that this is happening. It doesn't make sense that I'm here. Or it doesn't make sense that, that this never got resolved in my life. But God is always working in His wisdom. And the amazing thing is, is our wisdom, right? Our wisdom is very small in comparison to God, right? Me and you can have wisdom, right? Wisdom is, is knowledge. It's that old saying, right? Knowledge rightly applied. Now, if you go home and you have your stove turned on and you know that it's hot, you're not going to go put your hand on it, right? Why? Because you, you have a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of common sense. You know, you know that it's hot, so you're not going to go put your hand on it. Wisdom, a lot of times we can act 
with wisdom in our everyday lives. And the Bible says too, if you don't have wisdom, if you lack wisdom, if you don't know what to do in a certain circumstance to pray and God does what? Man, God gives it liberally. He gives it freely. You know, sometimes we need wisdom for certain decisions. There's decisions you're praying about and you're like, do I do this? Do I do that? Listen, God is able to give you wisdom for that specific decision. There's a spiritual gift called the word of wisdom, which we'll get to in 1 Corinthians 12. Listen, the word of wisdom is when God gives someone a special word of wisdom of what to do in a certain, a certain circumstance or a certain situation. Man, there's sometimes, for me, the, the person that I always go to is our assistant pastor, uh, Pastor Dale. And I guarantee you, it's like the Lord knows. Every time I go in and I sit down in his office, and I only go for like big stuff. I only go for big stuff. And whenever I sit down in his office, it's always like everything he says is exactly what I needed to hear for that situation. It's the word of wisdom. There's wisdom in the scriptures, man. When we read the Bible, God speaks and he'll show you things. There's sometimes where you'll just have an idea, you'll have a thought, you'll be like, you know, I think we need to do this. Why? It's because God gives us wisdom freely, liberally. Man, the wisdom of God and his wisdom is so far above our wisdom. See, our wisdom is based on what we know, right? Our wisdom is based, me and you, we know things, we've experienced things, we've uh, figured things out, we've learned from other people's mistakes, so we apply that wisdom to our everyday decisions. Listen, God's wisdom is based on his character, and his character is so far beyond ours. God is all-knowing, the Bible says. He's all-powerful. He's eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. He operates outside of time. He sees things from beginning to end infinite knowledge and when we talk about the wisdom of God it's God operating according to his infinite character all of his attributes everything that's why it says a little later down it says the foolishness of God like the, the least you know wisdom of God is higher than our wisdom why because God acts according to his infinite attributes and infinite character man the wisdom of god and notice in verse 21 it says for since in the wisdom of god so it was god's wisdom to 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 have things this way he says in the wisdom of god the world through wisdom did not know god it pleased god through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe in short what he's saying is he's saying by design God had it so that you, even if you knew everything there is to know in this world, you had all wisdom. You went to the universities and you studied for 15, for 20, for 30 years. Man, you read every book. You got to the bottom of every philosophical idea you can wrap your head around. It doesn't matter because you are still not able to know God personally. You can know everything. You can have all the wisdom of this world. And you can never know God. Why? Because the only way to know God is through the cross of Jesus Christ. It's so simple. The foolishness of the message preach. The, the so simple of just, hey, you want to know Christ? It's simple. It's through the cross. You can know about God and you can never know God personally. 
Man, it's only through saying and believing in what Jesus did on the cross and entering into a relationship with Him that you're able to know Him, that you're able to have a relationship with Him. And then He says, He says, For Jews request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. The Greeks, they wanted, their whole culture was built around wisdom. It was built around philosophy, right? You have all of those old school Greek thinkers. And the Jews, they were looking for a sign. Here Jesus is coming and he's healing the blind and he's preaching the gospel and he's doing miracles. And they knew it, but what are they doing? They said, show us a sign. Many times we can be like that, right? It's like God speaking, God speaking, God speaking, and we're like, God, just show me a sign. Like, just show me a sign and I'll go. That was funny. I forgot who I was telling, but when me and uh, my wife got married, when me and Jess got married, you know, I never, I, I, I was I telling, I'll tell you, I never had like a scripture that said like, go and marry Jess. Like, you know how you hear all those like cute little stories of people that are like, yeah, I had a Bible verse and you know, this girl, she also had the same Bible verse written in the Bible. Sometimes that happens. Hey, I'm not, I'm not hated. I, I wanted a Bible verse, dude, but I never had one. But what I did have was I had, it was like everything lined up. It was like everything was a perfect fit. It was almost like, it was almost like, I remember when God really spoke to my heart that it was time to get, get married. It was time to like propose. I remember thinking, I'm like, I'm like, dude, God must think I'm like dumb, dude. Like he had to like kind of give me that kick in the butt. Like, dude, what are you waiting for? Like, it's all there. I had a really good friend of mine. Um, he, he passed away this past year. He was an actor on ER, kind of hit rock bottom, um, got saved, and he trained at the same gym I trained in. He went to the same church I went to, and we really became close. And uh, he passed away earlier this year of a heart attack. But I remember he, once he met Jess, uh, he said he was like, he's like, bro, he's like, it's a no-brainer, guy. He was like, she loves the Lord. <laughs> he's like, she loves the Lord. She's hot. <laughs> he's like, it's a no-brainer, guy. But I always used to think of that like, man, like it was like everything lined up and here I am like, God, I just, I need a, I need a sign. Like I need a verse. You know, sometimes I think we can complicate things. Man, God is so simple. He's made things so simple for us. And a lot of times I think that's why people who are, who are, uh, who have a lot of head knowledge have a hard time understanding the things of God. And it's so simple, a child can grasp it. And yet there's so many people that will often say, well, I just can't figure out, like, why would God do that? Why would God come down and walk among us? It's foolishness to so many people. And he says, but we preach Christ crucified, verse 23. Paul says, but we cre preach Christ crucified to the Jews. It's a stumbling block. They couldn't get around that. For the Greeks, it was foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now it's going to show why it's the wisdom of God in a minute. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Verse 26. I love this portion of scripture so much. It says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble or called, now, he doesn't say that no mighty, no noble are called. No, he says not many. And it's interesting when you look at the disciples when Jesus came, they were simple men. 
you didn't see many doctors, many scars. They were simple men. He says, you see that not many, not noble are called, he says, but what God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the things, to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of this world and the things which are despised, God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Why? So that no flesh should glory in his presence. The wisdom of God. Man, can you imagine if Christianity was only for the top educated smart people? Think about it. Would they really be able to, to give glory to God or would there be a little bit of that like, hey, like, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm smart. They, uh, not many noble and wise are called. Notice what he says. He says, God has chosen the foolish things. And then he goes on to kind of explain a little bit. He says, the weak things to put to shame the things of the wise and the base things of the world, the base things of the world. And it was kind of interesting as I was looking with about this because the base things of the world, it's those in that culture who didn't come from a family that had a reputation. That was very big in that culture, reputation, family. It was those who, it was kind of like, uh, how many of you guys have seen Aladdin, right? <laughs> right, street rat. <laughs> people who didn't belong anywhere, people who didn't have a home, people who couldn't look and say, hey, my family is, you know, I'm the third generation of, you know, this family or that family. Just, man, people who didn't belong anywhere. People who weren't in a, a, that, that aristocracy. He says the things which are despised, literally the things that despised means in, in Greek what it means in English. <laughs> it means things that are despised. They're the castaways, man, the underbellies of society. He says the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Listen, one of the most beautiful things about this is it says here that God has chosen the foolish things he didn't settle for the foolish things he went after the foolish things and I love that so much because there is nothing that will disqualify us from being used by God and there is nothing that will disqualify us from being a Christian and in fact it's often because we are those things because maybe we're a cast off because maybe we don't fit in in society because maybe we're not, you know, the, the picture-perfect look that our family wants us to be. Often it's because of those things that God did choose us. I love that so much. Listen, it's not like God tried to go after the noble and the mighty and couldn't get them, so he settled on us. No, it says God, <laughs> it says God chose us. He chose the foolish thing. And he chose the weak things, the things that are despised. Why? Because he chooses us and then he takes us and he does what? Man, he makes us into men and into women that he can use for his glory. I always think of the story of David uh, and his mighty men. When David first went and he started going on the run, he settled in the cave of Abdullam. And the Bible says that everyone, <laughs> literally everyone in the nation of Israel that had debt, Everyone that was in trouble with the law, all the fugitives, everyone that was on the run, they all came to David. 
But it's interesting because many of those guys that came, the underbelly of society, whatever you want to call them, they ended up becoming David's mighty men. And when you read the stories in the Bible of what those men did, dude, phenomenal men. Phenomenal men. They did amazing things. And I love it so much because, listen, God didn't just settle for you. God chose you. And you're on this journey right now where God is molding you and he's shaping you into the man that he wants you to be, into the woman that he wants you to be. And that is not going to stop until the day we leave this earth. Man, we never arrive. There's many times where I thought for sure, I was like, okay, Lord, I have arrived. I am ready now. Like, all you got to do now is just put the finishing polish on me and I'm good. Like, I'm ready. And it's like often at those times, it's like God would just like all of a sudden like shine the spotlight on this like super gnarly area in my heart. Like, hey, like, dude, you got to get rid of this. Like, you're, you're not done yet. Like, go, go back. <laughs> we got to do some work. But man, God loves to do that. He delights in us, the Bible says. See, we're his masterpiece. It's kind of cool when we went to uh, last night, we went to the one of the little cart spots over here. The hot, have you guys ever been to any of the carts yet? The pods? Have you guys been yet? No? Have you been to the little pods? Dude, so there's this pod called the, the Hawthorne Asylum and it's pretty oh. legit. So I went to this little uh, like trash can area and they had all of these like artistic uh, welded pieces of metal that were welded into like little like a uh, like garbage monsters <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard to explain when you go you'll see it but it just kind of had me thinking like a lot of times you know god we're his masterpiece and maybe we start out as one thing maybe we're that uh, uh <laughs> that 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 piece of material that was cast aside but god took us and he molded us and he shaped us and he made us his masterpiece and he invested in us and he is always working and will continue to work. Why? Because when God uses us, who gets the glory? Him. Paul said and later on in his life, he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He said, it's by his grace. It's not because he said, yeah, I studied. I did all these things. He's like, but and he goes, I count all that stuff as rubbish. He said, I count it all as garbage. He goes, none of that stuff matters to me. He goes, all that matters is the cross of Christ sharing in the cross of Christ man embracing that cross sharing and identifying with Jesus' death so we could also identify with him in the power of the resurrection Paul said it's by the grace of God that I am what I am and I'm an apostle by the grace of God you and me we are people and Christians by the grace of God and whatever God has for your life, whatever God has for my life, when we get there, listen, it's not going to be because we worked so hard and it's not going to be because we had all of these natural talents and natural gifts. No, God uses all that. They're pieces of the puzzle that he puts together. They're, they're parts that he uses when he's building and assembling us. But the truth is, is that when we get to where we end up getting, it's going to be by the grace of God and by the grace of God alone. Why? So that no flesh glories in his presence. So that God gets the glory. So that people are able to say, hey, you know what? Man, look at what God did. Not look at what we did, not look at what I did, but look at what God did. And we too are able to look and say what? 
man, look at what God did. That's one of the hardest things because often we love the credit, right? We love to be able to say, man, look at what I did. I had this idea and it worked to perfection. Man, I am just on point. And often God will kind of strip us down to the point where when he begins to bless us, what happens? We're able to say, okay, God, like, <laughs> can't glory in that. That's all you. It's in God. And then in verse 30 in closing, it says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Listen, the power of evangelism, it doesn't lie in the messenger, and it doesn't lie in the method. It lies in what? In the message. That message is foolishness to so many people, to so many people that are dying, so many people that are lost. They look at the cross of Christ and they think, man, the cross of Christ, I can't believe you guys will believe in such a thing. But for us, it's the power of God. And not only is it the power of God, but listen, it is the only way to truly know God. It's through the cross of Christ. That book, The Seeking Heart, have you guys got a chance to read it? Any of it yet? You guys, we have to read a little bit. It's all about what? The, the cross. The cross of Christ. It's surrendering to God. Man, it's in surrender and surrendering to Christ that we find the full Christian life that God intended for us. So let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning, Lord, and I just pray. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us, Lord. I pray that as we go throughout this week, Father, I pray that, uh, Lord, the word that you've spoken to us today, Lord, may it help us, may it encourage us, may it strengthen us. Lord, I pray that we would continue to move forward, Father, in what you have for us, Lord. I pray that you would just help us to let go of the things we're struggling with, Father. May we uh, just be obedient to you, Lord, in all things. Lord, we look to you. Father, as that help in time of need, Lord, that refuge. And Father, we just ask that you would do a work in our lives, God. Lord, I pray and I ask that you would just be with each and every one of us, Lord. The, the molding and shaping sometimes, God, it can be so painful. It can be so hard. But Lord, we know that it is working in us, Lord. Your plan and your purpose, Father. So Lord, I just pray and I ask, Lord, that you would just be with us, Father. May you... Uh, just fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, Lord. May you baptize us afresh with your power, Lord. Lord, may we go about the rest of this day and the rest of this week, Lord, with so much joy, Father, so much peace, Lord, and just an assurance that, Lord, you haven't chosen us because of anything great we did, Lord, but you chose us because of your grace, Lord. And it's because we're those foolish things, Lord. It's because we're those castaways, Lord, that you have chosen us to redeem us, Lord, and to mold us and shape us and to use us for your glory. So, Lord, we love you and we praise you. And in Jesus' name, amen.